In this episode, we're going to hear from a fur trapper in the Arctic and the crazy things he has seen over the years. Then, there's something in the lake near Vancouver. And finally, what exactly is lurking outside of this motel room that is scaring the patrons half to death? But before we get to the stories, check out my second channel, Donovan Dread 2, where I release shorter content. The links are in the pinned comment below. And let's make a pact. You promise to hit that subscribe button, and I promise to keep narrating these strange and weird encounters. Now let's get to the stories. I'm a fur trapper who used to trap in the Arctic around 40 years ago. There are strange things up in the Arctic. There's a reason why it's so hard to get up there, and it's not because of the cold. I spent over 10 years collecting fur in the Arctic, and here are just some of the strangest things I saw in my time there. A polar bear cut in half in the middle of a snowy plain. We weren't close to the ocean, so no walrus or anything that could potentially saw a polar bear in half could have done it. The bear had no organs, but everything else was intact. The thing that killed the polar bear only ate its internal organs and left. Over the next 10 years, I found around seven more polar bear carcasses split in half just like the first. I swear the Arctic has its own ghosts or some sort of shadow people. Often at night, me and a few other of the guys consisting of researchers and other trappers, we were all staying at the camp. We heard sounds of people singing in an unknown language, faint drums and children's laughter. When I finally asked the cook, who had been working up in the Arctic longer than I had been alive, about those noises one day, he smirked at me and said, You people couldn't understand. I got no other words out of him after that. I would also find my things misplaced often. I am by no means a forgetful person. To be a fur trapper, you must be aware of where you put things, like your very sharp blades and dangerous traps. I was also 100% confident it wasn't my age causing me to forget where I kept my things, because I would find my misplaced items in places I would never ever keep them. One time, my toothbrush was in my pillowcase. Another, I found a favorite pair of socks two miles away from my camp. I chalked it up to some animal that wasn't afraid of humans as it should be. But the lack of animal evidence, bite marks, fur, saliva, etc., on my socks made me have my doubts. One year, while I was watching the northern lights, I saw an aircraft in the far distance descend until they were around 50 feet above the snowy dunes. The small plane dropped a few very large wooden boxes and swiftly took off. I thought about what I had seen all that night, and in the morning, I set out to quench my curiosity. It seemed whatever was in those boxes was alive, because there was an insane amount of fresh blood in the snow surrounding the boxes. It had seemed that the carnivores of the Arctic had beat me, because there wasn't anything left to see except for wooden splinters and chunks of flesh. I did, however, see one large chunk of flesh the size of my torso, with this shimmering green scales on it. During my fifth year, my buddy Ray caught something real strange while fishing. It had seven eyes. They looked a little too human-like for my taste. In its stomach, we found an entire human hand. The researchers that Ray and I brought it up to seemed very perplexed. I genuinely doubt they knew nothing about it. I would often catch small creatures in my traps. They look like tiny babies except with huge heads with beady black eyes that suggested this animal-like intelligence. 
They were also pale to the point of being gray, or sometimes even blue. The first time I came across one, I was beside myself with fear. I was convinced aliens were going to take over the planet the following day, but it never happened. The other guys at camp reassure me that these things are normal and have been showing up ever since 1945, ever since the United States bombed Japan. It took me a while, but I eventually accepted those things were harmless and just started letting them go. They would always stare at me as I undid the traps and then slowly crawl out of the trap and back into the snow. I have a little more time before my break, so I'll type out one more of these weird occurrences I had while I was in the Arctic. There's an urban legend at my camp about a guy who wanders the Arctic plains wearing a suit and nothing else. We call him the businessman. It's said that if you come across him while on a night hunt, he will try to strike a deal with you. It's best to agree to strike a deal, but you can negotiate all you want. Just make sure that you say yes to the deal. I luckily never had to encounter the businessman, but a few of my buddies over the years swore up and down that they had. Between you and me, sometime in the 7th or 8th year I was laying out traps and scoping out the landscape one night. I was laying on top of a snow dune and peering out at one of my traps with a pair of binoculars. My focus trailed to the mountain range in the distance and walking oh so far away probably around five or six miles across the snowy plains, was a singular man's silhouette, his pantsuit ripping around his legs, ferociously in the wind. Needless to say, I am not one for messing around, and I got the hell out of there. Also, I had just bagged some really nice fox fur earlier on this particular venture, and I didn't feel like trading it for whatever nonsense the businessman had for me. I spent the best years of my life fur trapping in the Arctic, they were also the scariest years of my life, though, too. This happened on vacation. I heard that we aren't the only ones that this had happened to, and that it's happened around other lakes in the area. No one is really sure what is going on. We decided to vacation in British Columbia for a couple of weeks in the summer. I had spent some time in the east of Canada and wanted to see what the western half was like. At first, we had thought about going to Vancouver, but my son found some information on some of the great parks and sites, and we decided to go to Skaha Lake instead. We stayed at one of the lodges where you can rent boats or canoes, do a little swimming, or just hang out at the beach. If the beach got boring, then we'd explore the other parks in the areas around the lake. It was my wife who decided we should rent a large RV once we got to Canada and just flying to Vancouver. That way we could explore some of Vancouver and then just drive to Skaha Lake. We'd combine a road trip with a nice vacation. I liked the idea, so we decided on that as our plan and left the following weekend. I found out that the lake was around four or five hours away from Vancouver, so we decided to just stay in Vancouver for a night, explore the town, stay at a hotel, and then in the morning drive to the lake. Renting an RV was no issue. It worked out pretty easily. We explored Vancouver, ate at a few restaurants, and then stayed the night. In the morning, we piled into the RV, found a grocery store, and then packed up for the lake. Now, there are a few different areas to stay at around the lake. I got a spot that was right on the water. We parked the RV and explored how we could rent canoes or a boat for the day. We ended up going to Skaha Lake Park. They had a great beach, and you could rent canoes there. 
We spent the first day swimming and hanging out at the beach, since a part of our day was already gone. It was the next day that we went back to the park and rented canoes so that we could explore. It was fun. The kids had never canoed before, and neither had my wife. The kids kept forgetting how to turn the canoe, but eventually they got the hang of it after a couple of hours. We traveled around the swimming area and headed out towards an area where you could see the Skaha Bluffs from the water. We paddled for a while. We were about a half a mile from shore, all the way across from where we had started. That's when my daughter said her paddle hit something. I thought that was odd, because we were far enough out that that shouldn't have been any rocks. But I told her and her brother to turn the canoe away from that spot, and just to keep going in the other direction. That's when my wife called out from the front of the canoe. At first it looked like the waves were just picking up a little, but as I watched, it wasn't just the waves. There was something moving in the water, and something dark came up just a little bit. I paddled the canoe slowly and kept watching, trying to get a better look at what was in the water. At first, I thought it might be an otter or two. They are known to swim in these waters, and they are apparently quite common. But once we got closer, it seemed way too big to be an otter. Something dark came up, the back of something, and I could swear it was moving the same way a snake moves in the water. At that point, I forgot about paddling and just focused on what was in the water. The wake in the area that came up, it seemed to be as big or bigger than the canoe we were in. It was hard to judge, though, and I don't really have any experience judging things in the water. To me, though, it seemed at least as big as our canoe. We sat watching it for about a half hour. Nothing more ever surfaced, just a tiny bit of what it was. Afterwards, it seemed to dive, and we lost track of it. My wife and daughter wanted to leave the water. So we turned around and headed back to where we got the canoes. I kept watching out, and so did my son. When we got back to shore, he wanted to go back out again. My wife said no. We found some rangers at the park and told them what we saw. They said they'd make a report, and that we weren't the only ones to see things in the water, but that most of the sightings in the area were farther north. There was a much larger lake up there, and they had been getting reports of similar sightings for years. It was only recently people began to see things in the water of Skaha Lake. They weren't sure if it was because people were hearing about sightings farther north, or if they are actually seeing things in the water. They asked if we were sure it wasn't a group of otters swimming in the water. Otters will apparently sometimes swim in a row, and people can mistake them for a larger animal. I said no, it was definitely not otters, and that wake being made by whatever it was was bigger than the wake made by our canoes. I'm not sure if they believed us, but it did look like they were writing down notes, or what we had just told them. We stayed out of the water the rest of the day, and the next day as well. We decided to go hiking. We tried to get the kids to go swimming after that, telling them that nothing swam in the buoyed-off swim zone. You couldn't even find fish there. The animals knew that's where people went swimming. They never went back in, though. We ended up cutting our stay a little bit short and headed back to Vancouver. In the end, we ended the vacation in Vancouver, staying there the rest of the vacation. I felt bad the kids were really looking forward to staying on the beach for most of the vacation. I don't know what we saw in the water. I don't really know what kind of fish or wildlife really lives there. A pipe burst in my bathroom so I had no choice but to find somewhere to stay while they brought in professionals to fix it. 
I had moved in only four months before this, so I was annoyed, as you could imagine. I live in a big-time college football town, so to make matters worse, all the hotels were taken for the big game on Saturday. After frantic phone calls, I found a small place renting one last room. It wasn't close to town, and I couldn't even find a website for it. But it was my only choice, and I needed some place to stay. When I arrived, I thought maybe it was a joke. The place looked like a house so run down it could have been out of business. I parked my car on this steep slope and walked into the little door marked office. A small woman gave me a key and led me deeper into the house. In the back corner, she opened the door and flipped the light switch. A naked bulb flashed to life in the center of the ceiling. Suddenly, something screamed, a blood-curdling sound from outside. I almost jumped. The small woman seemed totally unperplexed, like she had heard it a million times. She left me in the room alone. I wasn't feeling the vibe at all. I threw my luggage down on the bed and walked back to my car. This place might be okay for a night, but no way I was staying here for more than that. If I had to drive a town over or even a hundred miles to find a place to stay, I'd do it. I jumped in my car and heard another loud screaming noise. It sounded like it was coming from everywhere all at once. The woman watched me from the dingy window of the small office. I backed out and started driving down the road. I was driving slowly because the road was bumpy and full of large rocks and potholes. As I was dodging a big jagged hole in the road, I saw something from the corner of my eye. I couldn't really make out what it was, but it seemed big. Like an animal, maybe. I slowed the car like an idiot not paying attention. I looked out the window to see if I could get a better look at whatever it was out there in the trees. I saw nothing, but then I felt this big jolt. My front right tire had rolled into the hole when I was busy looking out the window, probably at nothing. The car wouldn't move. My tire spun and kicked up gravel and dirt. If anything, pressing on the accelerator only made it worse and dug the tire deeper into the ground. I climbed out and looked at the mess I'd made. My car wasn't going anywhere without some help. I was tired and I didn't feel like dealing with this. Then I saw something in the trees move around, making scuttling sounds, scraping noises. Tree branches cracked and sputtered. I looked all around trying to see what was there, but completely afraid of what I might see. Still, there was nothing. I heard screaming again, but now more guttural. Was it closer? I wasn't sure. The sound felt like it was coming from the trees themselves. I pulled out my phone. There was no reception, of course. What the heck was I doing out here? I felt so dumb and now afraid on top of that. I looked back at the house where I was staying. It wasn't far, but neither was it close. Maybe the length of a football field away from where I stood. I started walking back the way I'd come when I heard another guttural cry. And this time I saw a tree move and a branch break off and fly off to the right. I panicked and hurried back to my car to find something, anything I might use to defend myself. The only thing I had was an ice scraper. I held it in front of me with both hands, like a silly sword. But I was scared and my fear was only growing. I walked back toward the house as quickly as I could. Something was in the trees and it was moving at the same pace as me, crunching leaves under its feet. I stopped again and looked all around. I thought I could make out a particularly dark spot in the shade of the trees. I froze and watched that spot. I started walking very slowly again and didn't dare move my eyes from the spot in those trees. Suddenly, the screen door of the house creaked open and banged shut with a clutter. The shadow in those trees moved, I swear. 
I was so scared I couldn't stop shaking, and I dropped that stupid ice scraper. I wish more than anything I had someone with me. I couldn't bend down to grab the ice scraper. My legs wouldn't even bend. I started running for that house. I was afraid it was the wrong way to go, but going the other way was even scarier. I needed to be inside. I made it to the door and pulled it open. I came inside breathing hard, gasping to catch my breath. The old woman was sitting at the table playing solitary. She looked unfazed. Something scraped the wall directly outside the small window in the kitchen, beside the woman. I heard another scream. This time it was definitely close. Was it an animal or a human? I couldn't tell, and that made it even worse. I closed the door to my room and I locked it. I sat on the bed listening for that awful scream. I didn't hear it again, and I didn't sleep either. I thought I heard doors in the house open and close through the night. I sat on that bed all night until the sun came up. Let me know what you think about these stories in the comments below. Also, make sure to check out dreadsarmy.com where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dreads Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.